0: Now, let me ask you a question, Seve. Is Tim Stafford's hair, is it neat or messy? Messy. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah. It's messy. It's all right. Well, Seth Erie, yeah. um, people are complaining that you haven't been on the podcast. It's, so, it's time.
1: Yeah, it's time. <laughs> all right? Yeah.
0: So, Got to give the people what they want. You got to give them what they want, right? Yeah. Let's talk about school a little bit. Yeah. All right, so we're a couple weeks into school. Yeah. Yeah, who would you say Seth is your best friend at school right now?
1: Um, best friend, my best friend Seth.
0: Best friend Seth. He has yeah. a, He has a best friend named Seth. Perfect. Who, uh, who a, hangs out with Seth?
1: Was it Nicholas? Nicholas is fun.
0: Nicholas is fun too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's
1: Seth. i gonna college.
0: And Seth theory is gonna go to college. I mean, we've already established oh, yeah?
1: this. Yeah. I go to practice hockey.
0: Yep, we're gonna practice hockey. I, I in practice. college.
1: I got a space
0: Yep, and we were gonna play for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the professional oh. hockey team. Yep. Yep, I like it. I mean we've got it mapped out, don't we? Yeah. Yep. Now, Seth Erie, are there any cute little cuties in your class that you that you're into right now?
1: Um uh um, my class is good.
0: Your class is good, yeah.
1: And um yeah, my class still have lunch.
0: yeah you have seven, lunch
1: and with
0: um, With your best buddy Seth, yeah.
1: I uh, will have a chicken, nuggets.
0: Oh man, chicken nuggets! Who who packs those chicken nuggets for you every day?
1: Oh, Dad Mike.
0: Yeah, that's right, Dad Mike, Daddy does. Mike, chicken that's chicken right. nug nugs. That's right. And then, um, how are you doing in science? Science? Yeah.
1: Seth has no science.
0: Seth has no science.
1: No. What do you
0: have? um social studies social studies nice social word, studies. by the way yeah what are you learning in social studies um um all right how about math <laughs> um yeah i
1: um, yeah math math yeah what
0: about news to you do you do um, news to you yeah
1: um about a world game
0: the world games yes yes and then usually what happens when you come home from school Hey, it's hey, him. Uh oh. What?
1: Hey, hate that. Hey, hate the fish
0: Hit that theme song. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's that
0: that. Nice up. Seth Erie. Thank you, son. He's like I'm done talking about school. Yeah, seriously, he yeah. And and you know what? I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand. It's Saturday. That. Um when do you start? Have you started? You Start started Monday. this week? Start Monday. Yeah. W- what are you teaching?
2: English Composition 101A and 101B. Nice. Nice. I have none of my syllabi are done.
0: <laughs> dude. For two days. <laughs> yeah, dude. First of all, you don't even go over your syllabus on the first day. You've I said do. that before. I no, you I said you time. didn't.
2: I know. I normally don't, but... Oh, Tim. I know.
0: What's going How on, really? man?
2: I'm restructuring my semester.
0: Why? Yeah, you're clearly restructuring. You're two days away from having to produce a syllabus. I know.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, well, it doesn't help that it's 105 degrees. True, that affects... makes it affects, difficult to think that, through anything.
0: That affects your brain. No question it does. about that. Yeah. My brain. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. no, I'm doing more conferences, more peer, peer workshops, so I'm peeling away stuff so that's more communal
0: wow wow okay we're peeling away so it's more communal well done um i'm doing that currently with my face but that's a separate (laughs) conversation uh ladies and gentlemen welcome to the voxology podcast um you heard seth who is um it's to the point where if he doesn't make an appearance people are disappointed and just shut the thing off in the first five seconds so You know we're gonna do our best to get him on here or to recycle old content so we'll just you know (laughs) we'll see Um, secondly I want to say thank you to a couple folks melody thank you and our friend uh, Christine thank you and Brian thank you all um, we're doing stuff on uh, patreon this week either joining or re-upping or whatever and so as always we are incredibly grateful for your support and affirmation and feedback and so on, um, we uh, we got a negative review this week, Oh, I but didn't it was see that. positive. It was oh. a positive review, but it said um, they never answered two of my emails, even though they want email. And I, I want you to know <laughs> it's that more is than two. <laughs> that is yes, yes. There are um, there are hundreds of emails sitting in there, and we read them, but a lot of them require like. Like a great deal of explanation, or yeah, people like ask response. really
2: incredible
0: questions. They so, can just be like, "Nice job," or yeah, "That's great, thank you." Yeah, yeah. May May God bless you. <laughs> um, so we are very, very, very behind, and and you know we've tried answering on the on the pod and other things, but they're just phenomenal. So anyway, all that is to say, I want to say thank you, and I want to say we're sorry, both at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, simultaneously. So, anyway, uh, anything on your radar today? I mean, are anything you're troubled by? Any, um, any times, troubling times that have just sort of <laughs> crossed your radar? I mean, I just need an update about Tim Stafford's uh, heart, his uh, heart today.
2: I mean, I'm trying really hard not to do that stuff anymore. Ooh, look at that. I was told it's not healthy for me. Yeah. You were told I doom, that I doom scroll I doom scroll uh, religious content when
0: I get up in the morning, it's terrible. Right. We do <laughs> we do follow some folks who delight in highlighting some of the more um, weird and excessive parts yeah. of uh, of Christian social media. So for sure. And I think yeah. I, I think that is probably a healthy thing. Is it to not yes uh, to, to, I you were, to I you were slow that me roll
2: health permission to continue.
0: Well, uh, as a pastor, I'm giving you permission <laughs> to do whatever you want. So <laughs> that's how that works. Or you'll just find another one. So it's just, yeah. you know, might as well just sort of cut that off at the pass.
2: No, there was um, plenty this week.
0: Just yeah. There. The, the, man, that is true every single week, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Um, but hey, how are you guys? We want to know. So right where you're at right now on the treadmill trying to fall asleep, folding laundry. How are you? Say it right now. Perfect. Glad so many of you are doing well. That is great. Um, <laughs> Timothy, um, we're, we're, and why not? We're going to kind of look at another insult today. Yeah. Um, and I think that's appropriate because I'm looking at you. Thank you. Uh, and... The insults just sort of come to mind quite naturally, and the <laughs> yeah. nice thing is, you know, some of them have crossover with things that were that Jesus uh, was called, oh. and uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, today we want to look at blasphemy. Which, if you saw Tim's hair <laughs> right now, me. you would you would realize he's got this. Um, yeah, he took it's more to, than just my
2: hair. That's blaspheming these days.
0: Yeah. Well. Yep. See, I cannot, I cannot uh, commit the unforgivable hair sin. Uh, I'm simply in, unable, unable to. All right. Um, and one of the things, I got to say, I'm a little, like, English is a little hard for me right now because I spent two hours last night calling bingo. <laughs> yes, yeah, so our church had a bingo night and an 80s bingo night, which makes wow. it extra special. But I spent two hours... Um, trying to, to come up. up with creative always man always like you shorts, wore 80s flip-flops uh oh. well no I mean, people 80s, wore shorts and
2: flip-flops in the 80s
0: they did but I had these like Bermuda shorts <clears throat> sort of came down low and had a cuff and this sort of Last half night you did kind of no no but in the <laughs> 80s in the real 80s no now now I don't um you know I essentially wear just sort of heft, uh, hefty garbage bags um oh. Yeah, just widely cut. But anyway... Good for changes in the weather. Yes, great for changes in the weather and a drawstring. And they freshen these things so the trash bags smell good. So I don't even have to shower. (laughs) Yes, I don't even have to shower. Um, Anyway, if you're still listening, dear listener, um, (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit more today about another insult, And the whole whole idea is around... um, a picture we get of jesus that comes from what his enemies said about him and we know that these were things that were actually said about him because if you're kind of wanting to make jesus look good these are not things you include yeah Um, and uh, certainly there were questions surrounding his birth um, and today we want to look at the idea that he was blaspheming and he see we get this accusation all over the place uh, and, um, and so, you know, Tim, Tim's role in this, of course, is not only to embody the insult, That's right. but to uh, quote obscure lyrics. Uh, Last lyric. week, I was a bastard. Yes. Yes, an inglorious one at that. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so I thought what we do today, dear listener, is we would look at another, uh, another insult and, um, and kind of go from there. So hope, hope. I hope this is interesting. I, hope, find hope, it, I, hope. I find it deeply interesting and compelling, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. Let's talk about Luke chapter 5, shall we? Let's. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, Jesus was very much, he would have been considered naturally probably a Pharisee. Um, right. He uh, sort of fit the profile, if you will. Yeah, um, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are are often mentioned together as sort of um, religious experts and religious authorities. Sort of check in, <coughs> excuse me, in on this uh, religious fellow who's kind of popped up out of nowhere. It's funny to think about Pharisees
2: in a like a literal way because you say the word and I instantly think of it as a derogatory term,
0: right? And it was man; these were the righteous ones. Yeah, it's
2: hard to disassociate that. To be like, yes. no, 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 let's look at a Pharisee as what it is by title.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And, and, and we should probably do some stuff on that because this is another great example of what Amy-Jill Levine and Matthew Teeson and Jen Rosen right. all talked about is how often we try to prop up Christianity by denigrating Judaism. Right. And the Pharisees were not bad. That's, that, that's what makes Jesus' critique of them so shocking, right is that they were in terms of how jesus would have been seen in terms of his social status they were the closest group um to uh, to how he would have identified himself and uh, so anyway there's a there's a, a great backstory where the pharisees aren't the bad people in the gospels but they represent a view of torah and of kingdom that jesus has come to correct um so one day they, they were sitting and, and listening to Jesus teach. They had come from every village in Galilee. And then some had even come up, and this is a longer journey, from Judea and Jerusalem. All right? So you've got a lot of religious yeah. authority sitting there. And the power of the Lord was with it's Jesus. Like a
2: Harvest Crusade con- con- conference.
0: Yes. Yes. Or or like a Gospel Coalition conference where they're, yeah, trying, out, they're trying out new speakers. Yeah. And you've got a lot of frowny faces looking at the new speakers, you know, kind of uh, looking for a reason. A lot of those Uh, conferences
2: came through the news this week, just in the news that we're not talking about. Lots of like uh, celebrity conferences came through.
0: Oh, nice, nice, good. We, listen, we all recognize that what the world needs is more conferences. (laughs) And um, so, hallelujah for that. Now, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd they went up on the roof and and traditionally if this were kind of a a typical home in the galilee you would have a ladder or a, a set of very narrow stairs kind of leading up to the upper room, which would be sitting on top of the roof. And um, when they could not do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and, and they tore the roof apart and lowered the man through a hole in the roof. And this is a very famous Sunday school story yeah. about Jesus. And, and it says, when Jesus saw their faith, which is interesting so he sees the faith of the friends not the faith of the paralyzed guy Mm. and notice faith here for Jesus is something that you can see right it's not something that you guess at or Jesus is king of my heart or something like internal but here Jesus saw their faith and so he looks at the man and he says your sins are forgiven the Pharisees and the teachers of the law from all over began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Yeah. And why was it blasphemy? They continue, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? And, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law would have understood that the healing was easier. Because there were healers, other healers known in the time of Jesus. But, but to forgive sins, that's God's prerogative alone. And God himself has defined how those sins are forgiven. Right. And it's through the sacrificial system at the temple with the priesthood and animal sacrifice. So Jesus continues, So I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Right, which is the harder thing to do, but you can't see that that's happened. So he said to the paralyzed man, "I tell you, get up, take up your mat, mat and walk." And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home, uh, praising God. Yeah. Now the yeah, and that's just that's just Tuesday. That's just a Tuesday <laughs> in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Um. So when we we talk about Blasphemy, there are two ways to talk about blasphemy, at least from the early, earliest sort of religious writings we have in the Jewish community. One way to talk about blasphemy is using the divine name inappropriately. So through speech, we've talked about that, right? Bearing yeah. the name or attaching the name to something of emptiness or insignificance. There's another way to blaspheme though, and that's through action. And that can be claiming divine prerogatives, that can be idolatry, that can be arrogant disrespect towards God or towards God's appointed leaders. So that was a very broad category. In this instance, Jesus is claiming for himself authority to forgive sins that clearly only, only belongs to God alone. And the religious leaders rightly recognize that. The authority to forgive sins apart from the temple priesthood and sacrificial system—I mean, th- there isn't a there, there isn't a, a stronger claim <laughs> right. to a divine prerogative than that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, not surprisingly, um, they have concerns in Jesus's day. Blasphemy was really the most scandalous offense, um, and it, and it's interesting because. Of the Ten Commandments, uh, there was was only one, and that was the command not to blaspheme, uh, that has the line, the Lord will not leave this unpunished, Deuteronomy 20, verse 7. And the Jews concluded that blasphemy must be unforgivable, because if God said that it would not go unpunished, it meant that no amount of repentance would enable people to escape punishment and uh, obtain forgiveness. So the idea is, when God says, this will not go unpunished, there's no way to escape the punishment for blasphemy according to yeah. Jewish thought. And, and it's fascinating that Jesus holds this view when he talks about the Holy Spirit, when Jesus, and we can get to this you know, another time, but when Jesus is accused of casting out demons by being a demon himself, and we're going right. to get to this episode, he responds by saying that, um, every sin can be forgiven except sin or blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And it, and it's in that same Ten Commandment tradition that Jesus sort of stands. The interesting part, though, is that by uh, implication, Jesus is equating the Holy Spirit with blaspheming God. And so that would have been um, an interesting sort of Trinitarian sort of like, oh, well, that's, that's right. interesting. The, the, the Jews wouldn't have been shocked that there was an unforgivable sin that would they would have been shocked that it was uh blasphemy against the holy spirit right. um according to the rabbi jesus that would have been unforgivable right. and and for those of us who worry um about blaspheming the holy spirit and never being forgiven because we do get questions from time to time about this yeah um uh if your heart is so hard against christ so as to attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to the work of Satan, then I think you're in danger. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you, so that was something we grew up with, right?
2: But it was told through youth pastors as the one sin that's unforgivable is not, ex, not accepting Jesus in your heart. And so that was the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, right? That like you're not declaring um, Jesus as Lord and Savior, so when you die... That's the one sin that can't be forgiven. So you're going to hell because you didn't do the one thing. The one unforgivable sin is yeah. is denying. Yeah, that's a Jesus.
0: very that's a very uh, Protestant, yeah, uh, reformed way of reading that.
2: Yeah, and that's what we grew up with because it was an easy. I think it's an easy scapegoat way for doing at least yeah. youth ministry. Is that like, hey, look, guys, yeah. there's only one version here that doesn't work. This is it, and this is what Jesus was yeah. talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not. You can't be forgiven unless you realize you need to be forgiven. And so, right. And you know, you don't ask for that,
2: or you deny yeah. that one thing. See you later. Alligator. And
0: maybe, and maybe that's true, but this isn't the verse to use for that. Right. Right. Cause this is very clearly, and, and we'll look at it right when we, when we go to the insult of demon possessed and it'll be great because for like the little um, thumbnail, we'll just use your hair today <laughs> okay. for that one. Um, and we'll talk about it exactly. I wish you could see it. It is, it is, it is post-apocalyptic. It is awesome. And I'm jealous, of I course. I am I'm jealous. Yes, you are. Yeah. If you were a genre, you would be post-apocalyptic. <laughs> that's fair. Um, absolutely. But the, the, the point that we want to make is that blasphemy, like this wasn't just an empty charge. Like this was a big deal. Even, even Romans... Um, regarded blasphemy as a big deal because they saw that, if you, that the gods were responsible for the success of Rome. If you insulted the gods, it was a sin against the whole of society. Yeah, and and we see later in the Book of Acts that it wasn't when Stephen told the Jews that they'd missed the Messiah that they were stubborn and hard-hearted. It was when that they said when Stephen said, "Hey, I see Jesus." I see the son of man at the right hand of god in power that was blasphemy and they put him to death by stoning that was the that was kind of the punishment so um there there's a deep sense in which this this insult uh to jesus is not something the early christian writers would have made up and recorded unless it actually happened and they were interested in telling the truth now a very similar thing happens in luke 7 with a woman who comes in to wash Jesus' feet in the middle of a meal with a, with a group of Pharisees. And there's so many transgressions and taboos that are broken by this woman, approaching Jesus, letting down her hair, weeping all over his feet, kissing his feet. I mean, there's no, like, there, there's, there's um, it'd be like someone from the Red Light District in Amsterdam running out to kiss the Pope front on the lips. Um, as the Pope is trying to deliver a homily or something. I mean, you'd just be like, this is not allowed, you know? And yet Jesus responds to it and then not only says, uh, he says to her, your sins are forgiven, in this beautiful passage in Luke 7, the other guests, again Pharisees, uh, began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So, we have Jesus claiming a divine prerogative, and, and he does this several times in several different locations. But then there's this really, there's this interesting dialogue in the book of John, where, and, and we we started on this last week when we were talking about Mamzer, and the dialogue that begins in John 8 about who Jesus' father is, because Jesus claims that his father is one of the eyewitnesses because two were required to validate Jesus's claims. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, I'm one witness and the father is another. And they're like, well, where is your father? And, and I don't know if this is still part of the same like heckling session um, mm-hmm. or it, it's you know, <laughs> kind of moved on to a different one. But uh, later on in John 8, they say, now we know that you are demon possessed, right? So there's another insult we'll look at. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? It's a legit question. (laughs) Very, very legit. Jesus replies, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing, right? I, I truly have got my own reward if I'm just glorifying myself. But my father, whom you claim as your God, he is the one that glorifies me. Though you do not know him. Oh, now what an insult that was. I know him. If I did not, I would be a liar like you. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, the Jews go nuts here. You are not yet 50 years old, they said, and you have seen Abraham? And then Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, just in case the I am, you miss that little subtle nuance. That is a direct callback to Exodus 3, where god says to moses when moses says hey tell me your name god says i am who i am this is what you are. this is what you are to say to the israelites the i am has sent me to you yeah so i am was how god's people were to refer to god and i am who i am is how god refers to god's self and so here's jesus before (laughs) abraham was i am and you could not, I mean, you could not in in any way, shape, or form uh, misunderstand what he's saying there.
2: In <laughs> it's fact, funny to really visualize, to try to really sit in that room and listen to that, you know, with each of these stories too, like being in the crowded room and then lowering through and trying to see, like as we're discussing the humanity of Jesus, what it would be like to sit in that room, hot, probably oh. smelly, yeah. these guys rip the ceiling open, how that interaction happens, the woman running in, how yep. that looks, because that always gets kind of told as like, that's one of those my Jesus is my boyfriend kind of passages, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, And again, you're going to lose the nuance of all of the implications that come with the woman because it's one of those like, Jesus is so beautiful, she's kissing his feet, he digs yeah. it. Yeah, it's and not then, a precious moment. Right. And then this as well, like where it's like, to be in that room with those guys pressing him saying that and just kind of feeling like the like mic drop moment where it yeah. <laughs> just goes like you can feel their temperatures rising oh in my anger goodness. and like... Yes,
0: yes. Well, an insult, right? Because it starts with right. you're a false prophet. We don't know who your father is. Well, now we know you're demon possessed. And then the last line of that section says, at this they picked up stones to put him to death. Right. But Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds.
2: That's interesting too. What does that look like him Right, right. Stoning right. in general, I think we always skip over that too, and how gnarly that like Stephen, like making his declaration and then just people throwing rocks at him
0: until he dies. Well you would typically you would typically <clears throat> either dig a hole or place them in a hole and shower rocks from above onto them. It's insane. So <laughs> here you have an example of Jesus claiming verbally um, the divine name for himself, right? Right, which is insane. In John ten, a very similar thing. Um, the then the festival of dedication came at Jerusalem. It was winter. Jesus was in the temple courts. The Jews who were gathered around him uh, were saying to him, "How long will you keep us?" in suspense, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Duh. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The works (laughs) I do are in my Father's name, and they testify about me. But you do not believe them because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then he says... I and the Father are one. Now, the Greek, the Greek form of the word one here, because I've actually had uh, Mormons in great conversations. So, well, yeah, it just means one in purpose. Mm. But the Greek precludes mm. that. It means one in essence. And, and notice the response. Again, this is two chapters later, Jewish opponents picked up stones to put him to death. But Jesus said I've shown you many good works from the father for which of these do you stone me we are not stoning you for any good work they replied but for blasphemy because you a mere man claim to be God yeah okay well that's pretty direct and then one last example um when Jesus is on Trial before no. We'll do two more examples. How about that? When Jesus is on trial before the high priest Right, there's this there's this interesting exchange Um, The high priest stood up before Jesus and asked are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you and and it was you know in mark's account? it was they were trying to accuse him with um, disruption at the temple and saying the temple would be destroyed and he would rebuild it. Uh, again, the high priest asks him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus replies, I mean, this is pretty clear. I am. Now, it's not, it, it wasn't blasphemous to claim to be the Messiah. But what the blasphemy was what he says next. All right? Okay. He says... And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, to us, that's a cool Jesus-like ninja thing to say. (laughs) But that is a combination of two of the most powerful messianic lines of thinking that were popular that day. From Psalm 110 it's a verse that says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make enemies a footstool, for your, a footstool for your feet. So this idea that he was sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One is him saying that Psalm 110 passage, which was clearly messianic, applies to him. And he has authority to judge. Yeah. And he combines that with an image from Daniel 7 about the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man can either mean two things. The son of man can just mean a son of man, a human one, the son of a man, right? Just a human being. There are other times the son of man is in reference to a figure, a human figure in the book of Daniel. And this is one of those cases where he's talking about the Daniel. The Daniel uh, um, conversation is in Daniel 7. He says, uh, and Daniel says, in my vision at night, I looked And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. All right, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given all authority, glory, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So when Jesus says... Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man from Daniel 7 sitting at the right hand, Psalm 110, of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Again, back to Daniel 7. He's saying, not only am I the Messiah, I am the ruler mentioned in Psalm 110 and in Daniel 7, who will now exercise judgment over you. You think you are exercising judgment over me. I am telling you, I am the one that will exercise all judgment and have all dominion. Yeah. Now, the high priest knew exactly what Jesus was doing. <laughs> the high priest tore his clothes and he said, why do we need any more witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? <laughs> right? I mean, like there is this. Well, and then, and then they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and they struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Now, there's one more real subtle one um, that was pointed out by a Jewish commentator. There was a very famous saying in rabbinical circles um, uh, and uh, in Jesus' day. And the saying was, when two or three sit to study scripture, the Shekinah is in their midst. Now, the Shekinah is like the felt and sensed glory of God. So the idea is God's presence dwells when two or three sit together to study the Bible, study right. the scriptures so in matthew 18 where jesus is talking about sin in the disciple community he says i i true i, I tell you for where two or three are gathered in my name there i am with them y- you would have you would have just gone huh so jesus by replacing the shekinah of god with there i am personally what jesus has done of course has been to say the, the Shekinah of God that was longed for in the Old Testament is now present in and through me among you. Now, um, depending, I mean, there, this doesn't prove in any way, shape, or form that Jesus is God. Not at all. In fact, when I was in Israel, uh, we had two of the greatest guides and we had so many great, deep theological conversations that were just fun. Yeah, and we weren't trying to convert them because they've been. I mean, they get this from oh, every sure. every church group in the history of the world. Um, but one night <laughs> have we were, you heard of Jesus. Oh, but one <laughs> night we were sitting um, uh, at a bar, and there were there was this DJ and Russian. Um, Older Russian women, a lot of single older Russian women were at this hotel and just to set the stage for the convo. For a specific demographic. Yeah, very specific demographic. And um and so we were just talking about about Jesus and how you and the tour guides? Yes. Jesus and how he's perceived. Because here, here here are these Jews making you know, decent money on taking Christians on, mm. and I just said, yeah. well, how is that? Like, yeah. what's that like for you? And he said, one of the guides, uh, there was an older one and a younger one. One of the guides just said, um, he said, uh, it, it's, you know, it's relatively easy for us to do because, you know, we we acknowledge that Jesus was real and existed and said and did certain things. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus says that he's the son of God, that's just... He said, "The idea of the Trinity, that Jesus is divine, we, we just can't go there. Yeah. Like we're like the Shema is the Lord is one, mm-hmm. the Lord alone, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know for for at least whatever branch of Judaism that he sort of represents and speaks for, I am very sympathetic to why yeah. that would be a stumbling block, right?" Yeah. It, it's like, hey, he can claim to be the Messiah, but Messiahs don't get crucified, and this right. Messiah did not usher in the peace right. of Isaiah. Yeah, um, I'll tear my clothes too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this isn't, you know, the picture sometimes we paint is how could these Jews miss it? Right. And um, and I just want to say that I, I just don't think that's at all accurate. Yeah. Um, I think Jesus. Um, came teaching and saying and doing hard things. Yes. And the people who had a vested interest and believed that the temple sacrificial priesthood system, with good reason, represented the will of God for Israel, because it wasn't that Jesus came announcing, hey, God loves you. They believed that. It wasn't, hey, that you can be forgiven. They knew they could be forgiven. They already had a system for forgiveness. It was when Jesus started usurping those things and placing himself in their place that Jesus got into trouble. When he calls himself Lord of the Sabbath, yeah. right? When he, when he says, hey, foods don't make you unclean. What's in your heart makes you unclean, right? And when he starts saying, well, you've heard it said, and quotes the Torah, but I tell you, um, all of these things made it difficult for people who really believed that the current setup was kind of god-ordained and inspired to receive him now we read later in acts there were bunches of pharisees and teachers of the law and scribes who came to believe that he was the messiah but we the first point we want to make is um and i I'm, i'm just so sympathetic to it that that the the idea that jesus was claiming to be god is what divides right um i mean that's a pretty big pretty big dispute over you know and 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 obviously is the church making this up is is the church i mean one of the critiques of all this blasphemy is well the church were put the early church were putting declarations of the early church on the lips of jesus to validate them right So the church believed that he was God, and so they put on Jesus' lips this combination from Psalm 110 and Daniel 7. And so, yes, this doesn't prove that Jesus is divine in any way, shape, or form, but I've also had loads of people tell me Jesus never really claimed to be God. You know, he claimed to be the Messiah, but he never claimed anything beyond that. And I just don't think that's true either. Yeah, no. I think... um, the claim the christian claim isn't that jesus is a way to god but that jesus is god come to us and so you know I, i used to be asked all the time well is jesus the only way to god and i would say oh yeah of course but i don't even think that's the right question jesus is never presented as a way to god jesus is presented as god come among us and the claims that he's making about forgiving of sins and where two or three are gathered and the, the actions he's doing, um, seem to indicate even to some of the most hardened sort of skeptics that Jesus had a self understanding that was far beyond, Hey, I'm just here as a nice prophet, you know, uttering some wisdom and, uh, trying not to get in too much All trouble. Right. <laughs> right. There was, and this is where this kind of insult idea comes to the forefront where, when you have this many examples of the Jews objecting to Jesus, And you even you know you have in later rabbinic writings objections to jesus um it's it's highly unlikely that the early church writers were wanted to just show how much opposition there was to their messiah
2: unless they Um, wanted nobody to listen at all
0: yeah exactly it'd be like a great self self self-sabotage yes exactly right and And particularly if you buy, like I do, that the legends about Jesus and the stories about Jesus were circulating during the lifetimes of the eyewitnesses, then you have a whole bunch of people who would have witnessed these things that weren't Christians, pointing out, nope, he wasn't there and didn't do that and blah, 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 blah. So, So for me, this was a very significant sort of picture to be painted because um i can get on board easily with jesus is an incredible and compelling human person absolutely right and i can get on board with jesus is one of the greatest wisdom teachers in the history of the world yeah and i could even get on board with jesus is the jewish messiah but the idea that jesus is god and there's this trinity that exists that's uh that's a harder one to swallow Right. Um, and um, and so one of the reasons why I'm forced into a Trinitarian view is you have uh, passages that refer to uh, as you know, God is God, the Father, and there's only one God. And then that you have Jesus sort of elevating the Holy Spirit as some sort of divine figure, and then you have Jesus himself claiming divine prerogatives, and then you have, all three of them interacting together, you know, Jesus being baptized, the spirit alighting on the Son, and then the father speaking. And you're like, well, how do you explain that? It can't be three masks that that this one God is wearing. It can't be three successive stages of God's work. There's something here. And so, you know, you kind of get forced into this view that God um, exists in some sort of community. Right. Um, Sharing a divine essence in community, and 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 if you buy that, then the whole idea of why God made them humanity, male and female, becomes very interesting. That God's oneness could only be manifested in the plurality of unity. Right. No, you're like there's
2: so much interest. Like so, what you just did. My ten year old son asked me yesterday because when I was a youth pastor, one of the things that I did, you know, in my spare time when I was sitting in a little in a little cubicle thing that they made me, I would just sit there and like I started researching what it meant and what it took to join the church of Satan and, um, what the, what the belief, uh, rhetoric was. And like, I read the Jamaican Bible, the Rastafarian Bible, these different things, just to, out of curiosity, like what are all these other groups th- thinking, you know, I have the same conversations with Mormons that would come by and knock on the door and just kind of sit down and have a cordial conversation and, um. it's everything you just he's like why why did you he's like you he was basically asking me why christianity as a 10 year old well wow, i, I, wow, wow, I wow. grew up with it first and so this is what my family just said was true this is the family belief system when i got old enough i thought i need to know this for myself i need to have a reason why i am claiming this so i did a bunch of research and looked around at everything, and this was still the most compelling and seemed to be the most true out of everything. Mm. So like what you just said too, where you're kind of like looking at everything that leads up to Jesus being God, it's kind of this research process that you start, you research, you find truth in it, and then you say, if this, then what? And then you keep following that path forward, and it's interesting because it really does only manifest itself to one conclusion. Unless you stop on the process, on the journey of researching and knowing, and like, does that make yeah. sense? Like, oh, absolutely! So it's such a fascinating way of going forward with that stuff. Okay, so uh, I want to ask a question, or I want to see if I can provoke something. <laughs> so let's see if this works. Uh, when Jesus says that His yoke is easy, what's he? Uh, that popped in my head when you were talking about. Um, like uh the Jew, the jews had like all these different things they had to do to like you said like they believed in forgiveness they believed in salvation or these different things but there were there was like rigorous things that you had to go through to achieve those right in the temple or different ways as part of saying that my yoke is light is saying like hey this there's an alternative to how this works and I'm offering it to you and it's not cuz i i was thinking about it in terms of how we the modern church is so much like that because we have so many things you boxes you have to check to be able to claim salvation. And it's not anything that Jesus is talking about. It is all these, like it's a checklist. And in some ways it's similar to (coughs) temple life in that way where there's a checklist of things you have to hit in order to claim Mm -hmm. a name. And Jesus is kind of like, no, that's not how this works, but we've kind of manifested that in a different way. Does that make sense? Like, is part yes. of what Jesus is claiming when he says that is that it it's flipping the conversation around to a different.
0: Um, I don't know. I'm fuzzy. Yeah. But I'm, no, no, no. First of all, you are fuzzy um, on your face. But um, secondly, no, that is that is a great, and and it's one of the ways that uh, Christians can often misunderstand. Judaism is to think that, well, the Jewish law was just a checklist for, oh, yeah. um, you know, divine inheritance. And here comes Jesus not doing a checklist. And, um, and so, so I know this isn't exactly what you're asking, but let me riff on it just a second and then bring yeah. it back around to what you are asking. Um, the thing in the, the Old Testament scriptures is that the Old Testament isn't the Old Covenant. Right? right? So the Old Testament is much bigger than the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was based uh, exclusively on grace, the first of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt. Grace. And we find later in Deuteronomy, hey, it wasn't because you were awesome, it wasn't because you were religiously spectacular, it wasn't because you were the most numerous. I just set my heart on you. And that's the reason you're my chosen people. So it was an act of grace that did, as we've looked at grace before, have reciprocal uh, expectations and those right. expectations were laid out in Torah, but Torah, for the vast majority of Jews, was not onerous. It wasn't. It wasn't a burden. It was a delight. So many of the Jewish scriptures are about how delightful the Torah is and what a gift it is that separates the Jews from the rest of the nations. This was one of the ways the Jews were marked off as God's or Yahweh's special possession. Was they were given the Torah. Paul even references this in um, in Romans. And so, so Torah, um, was something to be delighted in and it was stewed over and chewed on and much like you and I love to sit and talk and discuss and, you know, dissect like this is, this was just fodder. The laws were given that were not intended to be an exhaustive list covering every scenario, but they were illustrative of divine wisdom. Right. And so they just provoked. I mean, so much of that conversation. Now there were some sects of Judaism, it seems, that um, began to codify all of the discussions around the the Torah and began to build fences around the law. And with the birth of the Pharisees really comes at, at the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, where. You know god says you're no longer to intermarry and divorce all your all those foreign wives and there's this sort of massive rededication ceremony and the pharisees believed that the way we avoid exile of course is by better obeying the torah yeah and and so to help people do that right here's what obeying the torah looks like and then we get 37 categories of work or whatever else when jesus talks about his yoke from my understanding a yoke in rabbinical contexts, was the teaching that you gave and jesus later in matthew uh, separately from this passage but later in matthew talks about how some of the pharisees anyway would would tie on heavy burdens to people and not lift a finger to help them right and i think he was referring to a lot of the oral tradition the oral law um and so when i when i read jesus's yoke is easy it means his teaching uh, isn't burdensome because Jesus Himself is helping to carry out the yoke, but there's still a yoke, right? right? There is a teaching. End of the Sermon on the Mount is: if you hear my teaching and put it into practice, you are wise, like someone who builds on a rock. Right. And so, so, and then I think burden is light. Um, I think burden is light. There is is the opposite of what Jesus accused the Pharisees of doing, which was the piling on of burdens. Right. Right, Jesus, Jesus presents himself, it seems, as someone who is coming to alleviate burdens. And when asked, you know, theologically, well, what are, what are the greatest commands of the law? He chooses the two that are most comprehensive and right. says that summarizes the whole thing. Right. But it I think that's a, what I was
2: getting at is that, yes, you answered. It's the, how do you word that? It's the, it's the how and the why that the of the teaching not the yes i'm not sure how to word that does that make sense and, and yeah. sometimes we have kind of done the same thing where we have made we absolutely made tie the burdens on it and it seems like absolutely he has all right i have a couple other questions okay basically. hold on a second though hold on yes. a second,
0: because i think you're i think timothy your smartness level is probably genius that's right um because Spread the word because we we too, and you're making this very excellent point, we too add on burdens, and that burdens are presented in terms of theological commitments, yeah. and um, subculture commitments, lifestyle commitments. Yeah, which um, causes
2: the private the uh, how did you word it um, the private and the public persona
0: to yes that'll to adapt there. yes
2: yes Gosh, my just, brain is so oatmeal.
0: It's all right. What did you have last night? You took two of what? Advil PMs. Right. Need and sleep. you needed some sleep and you woke up about 30 minutes before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's okay. It's okay. Swimming in the oatmeal. You're making sense to me, dude. You're totally making sense to me. And, and so would Jesus, would his burden um, and yoke be easy and light? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what evangelicals are defined as fundamental commitments to Christ following, you know, and this is the cause for much deconstruction. Yes. Um, we, have, we have not, uh, those are not always tied to the Bible, even though they claim to be. Yes. So political affiliations or theological commitments that we say, well, the Bible is clear on X when there are people that love Jesus and don't believe X. Um, you know, you just you you sit and you go, okay. So what's what's Jesus really doing? And I think he would simplify it the same way. Yeah, love God with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor. Yeah, I mean that's and then, it, and then the rest is commentary.
2: Yeah, yep. Period. And all that right, kind other of thing too is like those two things. Is then if that's true, then what? And you you know, as you pull the thread on what does it mean when God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, you look at what that is. It branches out. Oh, I just find that yeah. stuff fascinating because I sat this whole week in thinking about sin as missing the mark and just just in the stuff that i was reading online and um how much in in that sense a lot of what when when you're told not to sin a lot of what it is is we've talked about this is is trying to live into your full humanity Mm -hmm. and then what one of the things that we're called to is to help other people live into their full humanity and to be dignified as humans as created beings right so that yeah covers a multitude of different interactions throughout the week from you know how you talk to a cop to how you speak to someone who doesn't have a home and that kind of stuff right like there's there's different ways of how you dignify humanity and try to help other people live into their humanity as you try to not miss the mark and be fulfilled in your or, and to live into your fullness of as a human yes so I was thinking about that within like when Jesus like hey your, your sins are forgiven you know go and sin no more or whatever what does it mean for that person walking from that interaction with Jesus with right. that f- saying of like hey if that is part of the meaning of what he's saying is to live in your full humanity walking away from this thing and to help do that because then the next thing that I went to that I wrote down is you three or four of the things that you just talked about were how important the communal element of faith is yeah right so yeah the Shekinah glory comes in a communal sense when yes. there's Two or more gathered, so that it, it shows how important collective faith is over personal faith, because yep. so much of these interactions are like the lowering the thing, like you pointed out, lowering the guy through the ceiling. He sees their faith of the people that are lowering, and he forgives or tells the guy on the mat to like. So it's like an interesting what yep. they yep. keep hammering without hammering it really straight on, but pretty straight on. <laughs> how important our collected communal faith is together and how, and I'm I'm just kind of going on a limb, but how much my faith can play a part in someone else and how much their faith yes. can play a part yes. in me as well. There's
0: That's no limb. That is absolutely right.
2: But I think that's really fascinating because there's a lot of, because that again, and I know we're hammering this over and over again from the last series, but um, the personal... The personal, like pray the prayer, da, da da da. It's Jesus is just saying so much opposite of that. Like, look right. at the look at the collected faith of these people and how their collected faith—that's right—quote unquote saves them. Right, and what that looks like, and kind of like a way of lifting each other up, and yada yada yada.
0: Well, yeah, that that, um, bro. This is so good. They don't. First of all, they don't have to shout it at us. It's just so assumed in the culture <laughs> right. that it's just shown all over the place. Right? Our Father that's in heaven, not my father. I mean, just yes. we're two or three, not just when me and my Bible are open to there the Shekinah is. I mean, it's just like of course it's so Yeah, the beautiful. Lord that
2: thing of the Lord's Prayer is so fascinating with the uh, how and I think you said this and I think Mackie said it too, like the Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the King forgive us our sin, like it's all yes the yep. entire how teach us how to pray and he, and everything in it is communal as a communal prayer, but right. we I think most people hear it as my Father in heaven, forgive my sins, sure, as I forgive those who have sinned against me, yeah, like we and, and, hear it in our head as a solo,
0: yeah, enterprise. and the, and the problem isn't that we think of it as an individual prayer it's it's the problem is that we that we're so immersed in individualism, we can't conceive of it any other way. So of course, I have a relationship with God, but I have a relationship with God, not because it's He and me, but because I'm a part of His church, His people. You know what I mean? And that relationship is proven and fleshed out and worked out in community. Yeah. So absolutely. And and so many of these examples, I mean, very rarely is Jesus having a one-on-one conversation with somebody, the Samaritan woman, is a great right. example of one time he does, which was scandalous because the disciples are like, why are you talking to this woman when they come back? <laughs> yeah. You should not be, right? This isn't a communal thing. It's so thirsty. yeah. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> and this woman actually is going to be the first evangelist. Yeah.
2: There's a lot know? to play with there
0: too, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. So, so couldn't agree with you more, man. Couldn't agree with you more.
2: Interesting stuff. It's interesting to look at blaspheming in a communal sense, too, and not just a... Right.
0: Right. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So anyway, um, any last thoughts? Nope. Those are the little things I jotted down on my mortgage Love bill. Love it. Lo- nice. <laughs> nice. May God bless <laughs> that mortgage <laughs> bill. Writing notes oh, on the text. <laughs> oh, Seth Erie, been laying here quietly <laughs> behind me.
2: His radar just went off. He can tell it's ending.
0: He can tell it's ending. Come on, boy. Come on, come on, boy. You want to you wanna, uh, do a blessing? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: you want to do Shema? Well, I don't know if Tim knows the Shema the way know. we do it. Yeah. You got to do it, yeah. Seth. All right, so we'll do it together, all right? Yeah,
1: yeah together, right? We're ready? One, two, two,
0: three. three. Shema, Shema Israel, Adonai we'll Elinehu. Adonai Echad. Hear, Israel, Israel, the Lord our God, God will, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Will, and love your neighbor I will, I will as self. yourself. Amen? I will, I will, amen. All right. Amen. You, you want to tell uh, everybody yeah. goodbye? Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Have a great... Good day. Yeah, a great day. Have a great day. Yeah. 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 You know what else they should do? Tell them what else they should do.
1: Huh? Take a nap. Take a nap.
0: Yeah, you've heard it here. <laughs> Seth's burden is easy. His yoke is light.
1: <laughs> take a night.
0: Yeah, take a night. Take a nap. Yeah, take Absolutely. a nap. Eat some chicky chicky nug nugs. Yeah. Chick-y, chick-y, chicky Seth and I are going to go swimming, right? We're going to go to oh. Chris's house. Yeah. Book. Yeah, I don't know if Luke will be there today but but no, but Chris is going to be there. Tim. I'm going to go swimming too. Yeah, Tim should come too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he'll it's be a- Yeah, if he Nate, gets in his car Nate, now he'll he'll to- days, to it'll be here in 4 days, he'll be great. <laughs> no, no, I'm coming I'm going out to see Tim. Yeah, yeah. 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 What Nate do you think of that? Nate is coming. Nate Erie's coming this week. Nate,
1: huh? Nate, we'll do hit the hit the theme song for Nate.
0: Yeah, we'll do hit the theme song <laughs> for Nate next week. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, man. All right, well, we gotta get some. We gotta we gotta go get some lunch and then go swim. Yeah. Okay. Let's
1: go to Chick Fil A.
0: Oh oh oh! There it is. There's a there's a shocker. I thought Chick Fil A was downgraded. Oh, oh, what happened okay. to Zach's bees. Yeah, he had Zaxby's last night.
1: This is sick
0: I promise he does eat other things. But literally, if you've, if you've been around, I don't know if it's all kids with, with Down syndrome, but he, you will be eating one meal and he will be already talking about the next meal, like where we're going. Like I get in the, I get, I come down from a sermon and he starts working me for lunch. Just automatically, like. Hey, Tim. Yeah.
1: Guess what?
0: What? Hit the face off for Seth Eerie. Hit the
1: theme song for Seth Eerie.
0: i 7 7 i 77 right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Until next time.
1: See you next time.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank
2: you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself if you'd like to partner with us you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology you can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you Thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.